0: Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with whether it's about retirement investments taxes or 401ks scott hansen and pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join allworth's money matters call now at 833-99-WORTH that's 833-99-WORTH
1: welcome to allworth's money matters scott hansen pat McLean. glad you're joining us today Both myself and my co-host, we're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. We spend our weekdays helping people like yourself. We broadcast on the weekends, being your financial advisors on the air, whether you've got advisors you work with now or you do things on your own, whatever the case, we want you to consider us to be um, another source of information for you and hopefully awesome information. Well,
0: let's hope,
2: but let them be the judge. Whether it's awesome or not? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah,
1: and to join our program, if you'd like to be part of uh, the show, meaning you've got a question for us that you'd like us to see if we can answer for you, we'd love to take your call. The contact number is 833-99-WORTH, 833 6784
2: So if you have a question about IRAs, 401k, mortgages... Life Stock, insurance, market, real estate,
1: anything financial related for yeah. that matter. Yes, 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 yes.
2: We love to take those calls. And we interact with clients on a, I don't know, daily basis, uh, most certainly on a weekly basis. So I saw an interesting article
1: that I read the other day. It, the title was, this is from the Wall Street Journal, Buy, Borrow, Die, How Rich Americans Live Off Their Paper Wealth. Okay? Yes. And so these people that tend to be, Company founders, a lot of money tied up in one stock. Really rich. Like super rich. Like Jeff Bezos rich. Yes. I doubt he sells much Amazon stock. Uh, probably not. So let's assume you got $100 billion worth of Amazon stock.
2: And you need, you need to get yourself a, a hold of a quick $2 billion. <laughs> I, don't,
1: I don't $2 billion. <laughs> How much can you spend on your living expenses? Not that much, right? Not, yes. Not a billion, for crying out loud. Okay few million a year, maybe? I don't know.
2: Oh, oh, well, certainly.
1: Okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Of course you could. I, whatever. You can, I guess you can, bl- I don't think you can blow through a hundred million if you tried. That might be even impossible. Oh, well, I'd like to try. Oh, he going to space. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there. It's you know, not, yeah, just not just, free. to space. So um, the, the, what the point of this is that how, it's, when you take a loan of an asset, you're not taxed on that loan. You pull a home equity loan out of your house. Your house. You bought your house for two hundred. It's worth eight hundred today. You take an extra hundred thousand dollar home equity. That's not taxable to you. You have your stock in Amazon. You take a loan against that. That loan. That's not taxable to you. And then under current laws, when you pass away, whatever gain had been there is stepped up. Now this article didn't talk about estate taxes that are going to
2: take half uh, of this. But um, so what essentially that means is I've got. A ten million dollars in stock. I need a million dollars uh, right now. I actually pledge my ten million dollars in stock as collateral. I borrow a million dollars. By the way, you depending upon the type of stock or what you're pledging, you could normally borrow up to forty to fifty percent of the value of that. I live on that. The day I die, that stock receives what's called a step up in basis, and a step up in basis means that they pretend that there's no stock. That, that there's no capital gains due on the growth of that stock. So I was able to live off of the stock. The cost of living off that stock was the cost of money, the loan on the the stock, the interest rate. But in return, I held it till I died. And then capital no gains taxes on that. That's
1: assuming everything goes well. Every year you read about stories of some founder that pledged all those securities. The stock price went down, and they found themselves broke because they were leveraged. And to your point, it's for very. If your net worth's under twenty, 20 million, you probably shouldn't be.
2: Yes, there. It's, this so it's got you and I were at the Newark Airport three four weeks ago, and our flight was delayed for four or five hours. And I was sitting there talking to the the, the one guy who was on his way to Florida. It's securitized lending. For a large brokerage firm, and what his job
1: was, get you to borrow money from your stocks so you could either buy more stocks or go splurge some,
2: expensive. but not sell the stocks you had. That's
1: what his job was. That's
2: what his job Convince was. Convince
1: other brokers to offer it up to their clients. That's what his job was. Because the bank made money off that. And then, he, by the way, if you're advisors with one of those big firms, those are the conflicts that are going through his or her
2: ears every day. So we have this conversation because I got I'm at the Newark Airport for five hours. And I'm like, yeah, I'll have this conversation. And he's like, let me tell you all the reasons you should have your clients do this. And I said, let me tell you all the reasons I don't think it's a great idea for many, many people. And he said, what could go wrong? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? How about a 50% decline in stock prices like we saw 14 years ago. How about a change in legislation that no longer gives you a step up in basis and accounts over X amount of dollars or a net worth of X amount? But it's dangerous.
1: But I think we'll see more. Look, if if capital gain tax rates go from 20% to 39.6%, the the tax rate will be at some point when we will be advocating even to our middle class client let's say that there are risk mitigation there are capital gains if the capital gains is so great the, maybe you don't sell and you take a small loan on it yeah, yeah. that's what' you'll see more happen but it's look it cuts both ways it's and great. I heard an ad from, from this guy I kind of I respect to was pitching um home equity loans he's a r- radio personality guy but you know they read ads for And he's pitching, untapping that equity in your house and doing nothing for it. Get it to work for you. And I'm thinking all you're doing is betting your house. You're borrowing money and it's collateral. You're pledging your house. How is that? Isn't your money working for you to begin with?
2: Yes. It drives me crazy. I know. (laughs) You you bring it up like every four weeks. I do.
1: (laughs) Yes, I know it drives you crazy. Because I can't stand, I see people come in, they want to be able to, they want financial independence. They've lived in their house for 28 years, the same house. They owe three times in their house, three times as much as what they paid for their house. Not unusual. And they have no financial security because of that. Yes. That's what I see. They spent their house. What in the world? I mean, it's not like they, typically the money goes to buy things like fancy cars. And I mean- Honda Accord's pretty dang fancy on a on a like as far as cars go. If you can afford it, great. But when you're taking money out of your house to go
2: buy new cars, yes, yeah, probably not the best idea. Anyway, I won't bring it up. Ever well, you can again. bring it up. You can bring it up as often as you want. I agree with you. I just don't. But well, let's go to the calls eight three three ninety nine worth. If you'd like to join the show eight three three nine 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 six seven eight four. See how we got that. Ninety-nine worth, <laughs> pretty smart. <laughs> let's uh,
1: let's talk with Lori. Lori, you're with Worth Money Matters.
3: Hi, Scott and Pat. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Yeah. I have a I have a question about um, ESTs, the Delatory Statu- uh, Delaware statutory trust. Okay. Um, we're selling a, a rental. and wanted to do a 1031 exchange and we were offered this as an option. I wanted to know what your opinion is about it.
1: So essentially this is a, uh, Pat, I don't know if you've heard much about this. It's essentially the old tenant in common setup oh. under a different name. Okay. Um, and it doesn't have to be in Delaware, by the way, to have a Delaware statutory address. that here's what ends up happening with this you transfer your property into along with a bunch of other people that you don't know and you become partners with all these other people. Okay. Right. So decisions are going to be made by the partnership that you have no control over. No control over. It may or may not be in your best interest. And the second thing I'd want to know is what are the fees for the syndication of this? How much are the, it, it, are the managers making off this whole thing? I, there was a large analysis done years ago for the tenant in common. This is Pat, right when the stock, when this real estate, last time the real estate market was hot. I remember I had a client of mine come in. He didn't He didn't take my advice on it. Did not. He did not take my advice. He asked about these. I showed him, a, I did some research and showed him a report that stated that the average syndication fees were north of
2: 15%. At that point in time, you're better off just paying capital That was gains. my point.
1: I said, you're going to exchange this into a property with people that you don't even know, the partner. You're going to be partners with people you don't know. have no control control over. Zero control when the property is
2: sold. No control over. You can have capital calls on it. Um, Why would you do this? Why wouldn't you just, oh, um, Lori, why wouldn't you just do a a regular 1031 into a, a property you identify?
3: Oh, I mean, that is an option. But I just thought if we couldn't identify the property uh, in time or if we couldn't, if we bought a property, I guess we would either have to buy two properties to make up for the difference Mm -hmm. or put some funds away into this DST.
2: But why would you, but I wouldn't do, I would not use the DST just flat out.
3: I see because of the
2: lack of control. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. So what's the value <laughs> right. of the hundred percent lack of liquidity, lack of control, lack of a look, what's going to stop this, this firm from actually buying their own properties from client. themselves. I had another client. She did a similar thing. It was a, a nursing home. It was a, I remember this.
1: It was in a nursing home. Uh, and she had a few other partners in this nursing home. What could go wrong? Nursing boom. It's the people that think, well, they ended up with vacancies. For several months, she ended up with capital calls. So she had this investment that she thought was going to give her passive income. Instead, she was writing checks in on a frequent basis. She, and she's talking to me like,
2: Scott, what do I do about this? I'm like, What can you do? Yeah, well, you could not do that. You could get uh, you could actually get damped down on your percentage of ownership at a high at a high cost associated right. with it. Yeah. So, what's the value of the property you're selling? Uh, about five fifty. 550,000 or 5.5 5 million. million? Uh, five,
3: 550,000.
2: And what did you pay for this?
3: Uh 180 plus 190.
2: What year did you buy that?
3: Uh 2010.
2: And how much have you put into it above the purchase price in terms of capital improvements? Were, were you the first owner?
1: No. What was this home no, we, we, How old is the house? We bought
3: it well we bought it as a rental during the crisis, uh, on the end of the crisis. You
1: know. So you bought it when things so, were really cheap. Yeah. When what, what did she say she bought it? Two thousand and ten. Okay. Was did that house trade in the five years prior to that?
2: Yeah. At did one point it time, I, Scott's going at this. At one point in time, it probably traded for three hundred and fifty or four, and and you bought it at one hundred and ninety. Is that a fair statement? Yes.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yes.
2: Okay. okay. So
1: here is. <laughs> Here's where I'm going with this. You bought this probably the perfect timing. Probably the bottom of the market. Half what it was trading for a few years prior. You bought because prices were low. And for whatever reason you want to sell it now. The thing is, we are at the complete opposite end of the market cycle. I don't know where the market cycle is going to end. But I know real estate doesn't go up every year by 20%. Correct.
3: And we're trying to take advantage of. It by okay, selling.
2: but 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 th- but you're not really because you're just going to be exchanging it in something else that's but, gone up in value, which has gone up in value. It's 20%. a wonderful move. So, well,
3: w- we're we're buying out of state. Okay, so we're
2: then go buy the,
3: into I, a, a lesser, um, less expensive market.
2: Go do it yourself don't use yep. a Delaware. No way. This Delaware Trust, by the way, that's just a new name for the tenants in common. I looked it up while you were yeah. talking. It's, that's all, a, that's a statuary, it, it, it's just a new name for tenant in common. Um, so okay. you either recognize the gain or go and... And it's not just like a typical limited partnership where there's other
1: controls. It's very restrictive. As to the general partner yeah. gets yes.
3: okay. all the control. Yeah, so if, I I, I that was the thing I was not not very happy with uh, the lack of control, um, and the potential. How, how, old, I, you, how old are you? Print, how old are you, Lori? How uh, old are you? Fifty five.
1: And is your house paid off?
3: Um, it was, but we recently took out some uh, equity. I know you were just talking about that. <laughs> What'd you I, do with I, it? <laughs> um. We're investing it in what? Um, some real estate, some stocks.
2: How much did
1: you, you take out? You're 55. You took money out of your house to go buy stocks and real estate. Uh huh.
2: How much did you take out? Uh, about three hundred thousand. Oh my. So God. here's what. Uh, here's what. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and how much other assets do you have how much money do you have in 401k's or other real estate you have this rental property you have you 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 had your own home um how much other assets <laughs> do you have
3: um we have another rental which is paid for okay that's worth about half a million okay um i have about 1.5 in 401ks oh, and for you. other savings.
2: Yeah. Okay. So right now, right now, uh, you're 55 years of age. What
1: percentage of your 401k is in bonds?
3: Oh, very little. Okay. I would say about 12% or okay.
2: less. So uh, so here, here's my opinion. It, 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 my opinion would be... Um, if you're buying out of state, then go ahead and identify the property out of state and do the um, your own tax free exchange, or recognize the capital gain on this and call it a day. Take any of the proceeds from this and put it back down on your home mortgage uh, to pay that down. You're 55 years of age. You might want to retire in the next 10, 15 years. Right. Right. Or at least be or in the. Sooner. Be, have or the ability sooner. To. Then you should actually start planning with that, and part of that planning means risk mitigation. Okay. So that's
1: what, what would let's be? What happens if we go through another period like the financial crisis? We will. Yeah, we
2: just don't know when. Right. Yeah, I don't know when. Yeah. And actually, if I do, if I did know when, I wouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> Nor would you be doing this radio program. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so here's a here's here's what you, what 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 we we see here is that y- y- you're doing a risk. Um, y- y- you're not. You don't have any guidelines around risk that are actually guiding your behavior.
3: Because probably true. You you paid down your mortgage you like
2: significantly. At- did you not over the years, and then you just borrowed it back out in a whole lump sum at a time when prices are
1: astronomically high on a historical basis on almost every asset class
2: you bought this this rental at like know, the perfect but, time i know we didn't but she didn't call us up to for us to beat right. you need to step back for a couple minutes and actually look at your own risk and you might want to pay someone for some financial advice to actually do a financial plan that says Probably retire of in seven, eight, ten years. What are my probabilities of getting there? And they will actually build models that will actually show you how to get there. So I appreciate the call.
1: Yeah, wish you well. And so um, obviously we answered a question on the – Thank you.
2: What if that was yeah. on and, and we didn't mean to – No, no, I, no, no but, no. but it just seems you know, we – actually so we care a little bit. I, look, I, I
1: can't tell you how many people we saw, whether it was the financial crisis or the dot-com – now, I was a little nervous about the debt. She's got quite a bit in her four hundred and one k and another. So she's in, yeah, I felt much much better because sometimes you see people that just end up with too much debt. Markets turn south, they get into trouble. I don't think that's going to happen with Laura because it was a very small percentage of her of her portfolio. But sometimes it, paying the capital look, you invest to have a gain. Sometimes paying a capital gain is not that. For a lot of people, the. And net proceeds are going to be more today than they would a year ago.
2: You and I sold a house that we owned together last year. Did we pay capital gains on it? We did. We did. And we sold some uh, raw land earlier this year. And we paid capital gains on it.
1: Yeah. I've also exchanged properties. Um, So every situation is a little bit different. Yeah. Every situation is different. But look, and I'm not predicting the real estate market's going to take a dump, nor the stock market's going to take a dump. Actually, I am. At some point in time, we will see declines in values of both of them. We'll see declines in residential real estate again. We have in the past. We'll see it again. We'll see declines in stock prices. I don't know
2: when. Maybe it won't be for five years. Well, it's as soon as the quantitative, uh, quantitative easing uh, frees up and we start to see a rise in interest rates, we will most certainly see an effect on both the bond and stock market and real estate market. So the question is, how, that's why they're not, how quick are they going to do it and how fast are they going to do it? That's why they haven't. But you can't live in this fairy fantasy and pixie dust up, world. And if you jack up interest
1: rates, then suddenly the, the servicing the debt takes a whack out of your budget. How are you going to pay but for it But you can't live these- in
2: this world forever. I mean, you can't live in the the world where we're going to protect every risk asset from uh, economic downturns because the Federal Reserve is going to step in and back it all up. Just you can't live there forever. You're going to have to let the free markets control themselves at some point in time to at least some degree. Because there's no better way to
1: c- clear the <laughs> – To allocate capital into the free markets. That's my opinion. None that we have so far. Yeah. All right. Let's continue on here. We're talking with Jenny. Jenny with All Worth Money Matters.
4: Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. So I've been a widow for about four years, and I have three homes. My personal home I own, paid off. Um, I have one rental I owe about 105 on. 105,000 on and then I have a second rental and my question is about that second rental. It is paid off I purchased my husband and I purchased it in about 1985 for $60,000 My concern is about what you're just talking about Um, I don't know whether I should sell it right now and eat the capital gains or take a chance and keep it in the portfolio because it does generate income Right now, it rents for about $1,600 a month, and the annual cost on insurance and taxes is, is about $500 or $5,000. Wish it was $500. Okay,
2: so um, so you're netting so, about 13k.
4: Yeah. And so what's it worth? Money coming there. Um, I am, but I'm concerned about the the drop in the market and the increase in capital gains what, taxes right now. What's it worth? worth about 400000
2: And your husband passed away four years ago?
4: Yeah, and my attorney did have me have all three houses reappraised at that time, so I don't know if he did anything with the county to step it up, but he did um, take his name off of all of the okay. uh, paperwork, so it's all in my name now. Yeah, there's
1: nothing in the county to step it up. This is an income tax. Um, so whatever the value is worth when he passed away, assuming this is held in community property... Um, that that's what the value you look back towards, not what you paid for it back in
2: 1985. Other than this $105,000 on rental number one, do you owe anyone else money in the whole world?
4: Um, no. Okay. I own my 11-year-old car. I own a motorcycle. I don't, you know. What are you no, living I on? Um, I actually am working full-time still. So I actually am receiving... Um, Survivor benefits from my husband's um, to Social Security, and that's about twenty two hundred dollars net a month okay. right now. Um, I make about one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year, so I was going to quit and travel, but then COVID yeah. hit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and
2: you're age I'm, sixty? Uh, well, I know you're between yeah, age. I'm
4: sorry, I'm sixty-seven.
2: Okay, I was going to say I know you're between age sixty-six and seventy. But why I, do you want? Why? What's What's driving you to
1: consider selling rental number two? You made no mention of rental
4: the potential for the capital gains taxes to go up and taxes in general going up.
2: And how much money do you have in IRAs?
4: So in IRAs, 401k and annuities about um, a little over a million. I have $200,000 in savings. Um, I've been afraid to pay off the other house just because I didn't know what was going to happen this last year with COVID hitting and wasn't sure about the economy in general. Um, My, Portfolio is pretty much half and half stocks and bonds.
1: Okay. Um, unless you unless there's something really bugging you about this rental, I don't know if I'd sell it. And do you have, a, will you be receiving a pension
2: um, when you retire?
4: No, just Social Security. And I was just going to step it up to mine um, when I was so, 70 and a half.
2: So the only thing I would do, and I'm going to
1: agree with Scott. I mean, if there's some reason you don't want to have it anymore, that would be a good... Like, I don't know when the market's going <laughs> to... I don't think rents are going to fall anytime soon. And rents is really the, the nice thing about this increase that we've seen in real estate prices. It's been driven in, in a good portion, at least by rising rents. I'm not, right. maybe that's not good for the people that are renters. I'm not, but, but at least that the, there's some real, the, the, there's a, a mathematical formula that one could put on the rising real estate prices. When we had it the previous right. time, back in the two thousands, Rents were totally flat, and real estate prices were going through the roof. And
2: and we've got some demand issues going on right now. Uh,
4: yeah, I live in Denver, so I understand
2: um, that totally. So, so uh, here's what I, I would I would do. I, unless there was a reason that was compelling me, like, oh, I hate these tenants. I hate everything about it. I need to get out of here. No. I would just leave the rental loan. I most certainly would take some of that money out of the bank and pay off that. Um, you said you had a couple hundred grand in the bank? yeah I'm over yeah. The you, yeah just take that and pay off the the rental number one okay. and if you're worried about your equity allocation you can you know underweight um I equities think you're fine more 50, but I 50. think you're fine at 50 50
1: and part of the reason I was I was saying hold on to this rental is what would the, my question would be what, what would you do would you with, do the, with cash? the money otherwise cuz you got well, 200 grand it. sitting I, in the I, bank cuz you're afraid
2: of,
1: right so yeah, then what then what do you do with it you're going to go buy bonds like yeah, that didn't make a And you going to go buy stocks? Well, I don't I think you'd want to be doing that either. Why,
4: you know, it's kind of unfortunate. I sat on the $200,000 thinking that the stock market was going to go down, so I didn't want to play around. It was waiting, and it's done nothing but go up.
2: Well, so far.
4: I, I lost my opportunity there, but okay. I felt secure. You've done I awful, Jenny. <laughs>
2: You've done terrible. <laughs> What are you complaining about? <laughs> <I'm not> complaining <laughs> you can't look about at it that you. way. You, and then you made the, the you made the decision based upon your risk tolerance with all the available information you had at Correct. the time. You're in good so shape. All, all right. you want to do, like to clean up around the edges, is, is pay off rental number one. Call today, and, and you're in great shape. and you're in great shape. And and work as long as you enjoy it. And then the minute you don't, you know what to do. Just go travel.
4: Yeah. Okay. All, all right. right. All appreciate the right, I appreciate the call. Thank
2: you. Yeah, thanks for joining us.
1: We're going to take a quick break. We'll take more calls when we come back. 833-99-WORTH is the number. This is Scott Hanson and Pat McLean of Allworth Financial.
0: Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast.
1: Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain. Glad you're still listening to the program. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, before we go back to calls here, and we will go back to calls, we've got live workshops coming up uh, August 14th. Actually, today, but you probably missed that one. If you're listening to this, August 14th in Sacramento, Denver, and Cincinnati, the social security workshops are five steps to managing your social security. And you can register at allworthfinancial.com. And then secondly, we enjoy taking, we, we think, we think our phone calls are what make the show more interesting. We can talk for hours, trust us. Um, but we like taking phone calls because what people have told us is oftentimes they will they'll get a glimpse of of some aspect of their own financial life by listen listening to someone else present something that's happening in their financial life
2: or they can feel really good about their own financial life based <laughs> upon
1: <laughs> but but the the funny thing is the majority of our callers are still our radio listeners, not our podcast listeners, although we have many more podcast listeners. My point is if you'd like to join us, if you've got a question for us. I think I'm curious what these guys would think about my situation. We'd love to take your call. Um, you can call this number and just set up a time. We schedule our calls in the studio periodically. Uh, and we can schedule a time that's convenient for you. Well, as long as it's convenient for us as well. That'd be totally transparent. But, uh, and then we can just take your question and work great. So to to join us for that, 833-99-WORTH is the, the number. 833-99-WORTH or... 833 999 And we will get you we'll get something scheduled. And yeah, if you forget that, you can send an email at questions at moneymatters.com. And we'll get you there too. Let's talk with Judy. Judy, you're with Allworths Money Matters.
5: Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for um, being available to answer my question. Oh,
1: thank you, Judy. What can we do for you?
5: Well, um, I have three grown children and uh, five grandchildren, and for the three children who are now close to forty, I did five twenty nine accounts to save for college and it it worked well
6: for mm-hmm. them yep um, i
5: have I recently uh, opened some five twenty nine accounts for the for my grandchildren, but I am aware of a lot of discussion among financial investment people who no longer believe that 529 accounts um, are a good vehicle to save for grandchildren for college.
7: Uh,
5: I am aware of the fact that in the last two years, for example, um, there have been fairly significant returns through the stock market in in investments that are not 529. mm mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also aware of the fact that uh, I don't pay any taxes on, they don't pay any taxes on whatever the growth is over the life of the, of the investment, except perhaps for state tax, but no federal
2: tax. And and what alternatives have these um, advisors offered to the 529
5: plan? Pretty much just, you know, investing in mutual funds, a uh, separate account for
2: them. Okay. And
1: you
5: let the market do whatever the market you is going to
2: do. So so let's 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 step back for a second and actually understand what a 529 is. A 529 is just a label on an account. It is not an investment itself. So when someone says a 529 plan, it is a it's it's like an IRA. An IRA is not an investment. It is actually part of the tax code. A 401k is not an investment. It's part of the tax code, right? A 529 is actually tax code. It's not the investment itself. So inside of that 529, you can hold a lots of different things. So the way it is structured right now is each state in the United States actually will pick one provider for 529s for that particular state. Why that is... I have no idea. It makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever why they should actually have this federal tax code and then allow the states to somehow get involved in the administration. Because it came,
1: it was designed, like, just like the 401k, it wasn't actually, when it was set up, it wasn't intended for this purpose. It was, it came from prepaid tuition plans. Oh, is that how it and started? found a loophole around it. Okay,
2: so in oh, wait, that, yeah, in that hold, 529, hold on. what's that?
5: Guys? Yeah? I don't think that's necessarily the case that, because you can invest in five hundred and twenty nine accounts in something like the Washington Mutual Investment Fund. That's right,
1: or, right. Or, or
5: fund and growth I think- funds. and those are.
2: They're not just. No, 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 no. They sit inside the 529 plan. So it doesn't. Once it. So you're talking about the American funds group of things where you can buy Investment Company of America you or Washington Mutual. In the, in you can 529. buy thing in the 529 plans. In fact, I know that for a fact because right. I did. Yeah. Right? So well, that's what I did. Okay. It doesn't make it taxable.
1: Well, I don't understand the argument against the 529 plan, but you started no, no. by saying that a lot of people in the financial... But you is, could
2: buy the S&P 500 in the
1: 529 of course you can.
2: plan. So there's a large enough selection in the 529 plans across the United States that you can get as any or as much yeah. uh, equity exposure as you, you want. Good, just, so that's
1: what I think is confusing is, Judy, when you, you brought the argument that the stock market's done well, so you don't know if the 529 plan's good. What is it you don't like about well, a 529 plan?
5: Not that i don't I don't like it about it, so let me give you an example okay. this is this is a bit of a topic of discussion among a group of people who I know so okay. so let's let's take you know um, uh, and anything if you're going to invest in an American fund, a Washington mutual investment fund, and you compare it to what if you had just invested in a like um S&P 500 or Dow Jones Market okay. Index Fund or uh-huh. something like that. It hasn't done as well okay. as those
1: funds. Okay. I don't know and if it has or not. Is, but The point did, is you can, can. Buy the, you can buy an S&P 500 fund
2: in a 529 plan. You can buy the Qs, right? The NASDAQ in a 529 plan. You can buy lots of different things inside of a 529 plan.
5: Okay.
2: So what if I'm saying... I'm sorry.
5: I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, oh, go ahead. Some of the, plan, some of the plans, uh, in some of the states, limit you.
1: Absolutely. To what you can buy. Absolutely.
5: But it looks like in, it looks like at least in California, it's not limited. But
1: you don't in California. You can you can you can, you can get a plan from any state in the union. It doesn't have to be in California. So if you wanted
2: Vanguard's plan, you wouldn't use California; You'd use Utah, and you're allowed to use Utah plan. You don't have to use the, the plan now, from some the state. States, some states will give you a, a tax deduction or some
1: tax benefits if you reside in that state.
2: But you don't have to use the same state that you or the grandchild or child actually reside in. It's got nothing to do with the state. It's just the way the, 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 the rules were written that one, each state is allowed one plan administrator.
5: I do, I do understand all of that. I guess the bottom line on the discussion amongst people is that the generalized rates of return that you get from quote five tw- investing in five twenty nine accounts for college education don't seem to do as well. That's it's emphatically
1: wrong. false. Wrong. Okay. Maybe, 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 maybe the amount of dollars in 529 plans, depending on where they're invested, but you have almost the identical options within a 529 plan as you do outside of 529 plan period.
5: And you get it and you get better.
1: Don't, you're talking to some brokers trying to sell you an American funds plan. That's what your problem is. Frankly, he's a commissioned broker. Yeah. And he's trying to sell you his product. Don't confuse the two. And not to get a front. I mean, it's just the the reality is I think as a grandma, I think it's great you're saving for your kids' education. There's no
2: better place to do it than a grandparent.
1: Correct. Because it, it stays it,
2: in your name and not in the child's or the parents' and name. And it's out of your estate, so it's not
1: subject to a state or state taxes. And you could you can preload many years of uh in the plan without being subject to a gift tax.
2: So we don't have to make it difficult, just go and buy the S P five hundred in the five twenty-nine plan for whatever state you want to do it in. In your grandchildren's name. And forget about, you know, you brought up American Funds and Washington Mutual and all that stuff. Don't worry about any of that garbage. Don't tell you with a broker's, he can make he or she could make that argument, them or they, all day long about uh, underperforming. And I will tell you, it might be a little bit more expensive, maybe one or two basis points. I can't imagine why someone
1: would try talking a grandmother out of a 529 plan for the grandkids. I honestly cannot understand. I cannot think the- of a situation where that would not be a good I can't think of one, Judy. Were they trying to
2: talk you out of it? Uh,
5: this is not a discussion with like the broker. Okay, this is a discussion among co-equals, so
1: to speak. Oh, we'll have them. Have, right, have well, them, Listen, don't get your I, mean, friend, <laughs> look, look. I, I could talk to. I could if I've talked to my friends about how to uh, uh, do, overhaul my car engine. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't. None of my friends seem to be good mechanics. We can sit and debate about pistons,
2: and I don't yeah. even know what I'm talking about. But, but, but the, but the, the, the premise here is emphatically wrong. Yeah. So anyway, I hope that helps, appreciate Judy. The, uh Let's, let's, uh, and by the way, don't invite me to any one of your parties where this is being discussed. <laughs> I, I do not want any part of that. I don't like being at parties when someone's sitting and
1: talking. Oftentimes, I'm sure that happens. Hey, can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. You're thinking, it is my time off right
2: now. I mean, i call I've me Monday through it, Friday. I just spill my drink all over them at that point in time. Just <laughs> stop. And you say, I'm oh, sorry, I've had a little too much tonight. <laughs> ah, bam. <laughs>
1: All right, let's uh, talk with Steve. Steve, you're with All Worth Money Matters.
7: Hi, my question is about the 72T withdrawal out of my 401k. Okay.
1: Okay. Haven't had a call like this in a long time. Yeah,
2: this is exciting. Tell us about your situation. How old are you? I am 49 years old. All right, tell us about your situation.
7: Uh, I've got two retirement accounts for my employer. I have a a 401k and a profit-sharing plan. And between the two right now, I'm sitting about uh, half a million dollars. And I want to know at 55, if I can, You think it's possible to double that and
2: retire. Well, there's two different questions here. One is, do you have enough money to retire? And we can dig into that at either today or at some other point in time. The other is whether you can use 72T. And 72T is... It's just the Internal Revenue Code that has exceptions to
1: the early withdrawal penalty of 59 and a half. Typically, we see this when someone says, they're under 59 and a half, they're typically under 55. They wanna set up an income stream and you can set up an income stream as long as it's designed to last you to your dying day and not subject yourself to the early withdrawal penalties. Further, there's a provision that says, if you are 55 or older in the calendar year in which you retire or just leave, leave your employer, you can take money from that 401k account without any restrictions, without any early withdrawal penalties.
2: So the the, the punchline there, Steve, is, look, 72T, if you retire and you're retiring around 55, we would encourage you to retire, leave this employer in the year in which you turn 55 And not set up a 72T, but go into the 401k as needed and make the withdrawals from there. And the reason is, once you start a 72T distribution, it's much more restrictive and the penalties are much more onerous. So 72T distributions is a series of substantially equal penalties based on your life expectancy and an assumed Payments equal payments. Payments. What did I say? Penalties. Oh, payments assumed on, on a a predetermined rate of return. Once you start those distributions, you can't change them for five years or 59 and a half, whichever is longest. But if you just dip into your 401k after age 55 in the year in which you separated service, you can take money out without penalty, just taxes due. So you're asking us a question that will apply to you six years in the future. Forget everything I just said. Don't worry about it until you get six years in the future. Okay, because tax laws will probably be different, most likely change. And if you're really serious about retiring in six years, you should actually probably start doing some serious financial planning, which is how do you actually make sure you have enough to retire at age fifty five, which means debt well, that
7: would be the next question.
2: okay. What's the next question?
7: That said that would be the next question.
2: How do I retire? How 55? do
7: I do it?
1: Yeah, well, like the old adage they had, Steve Martin. How do you become a millionaire? <laughs> oh, you, you start see? with a million dollars, <laughs> That's, right. That's Pretty simple, <laughs> right? <laughs> so,
2: so the the question is, how much debt do you have? Uh, just
7: a house payment.
2: Well, well but that uh, payment isn't debt. That's a payment. How much do you owe on the home? Uh, Two hundred six. Uh, Two
7: hundred eighty
2: thousand. Okay. Are you married? Yes. And uh, does your wife work outside of the home?
7: Uh, yes.
2: Okay, is she going to retire at fifty-five?
7: Actually, she's older, and that is the
1: plan. Yes.
2: Okay, so you need to actually go and have and a financial plan done because at two hundred eighty thousand dollars on the debt with a half a have, million dollars, does she
1: have four hundred one k as well? Uh she will have a pension.
2: How much? How big will her pension be relative to her salary? Oh, uh,
7: uh, it's salary.
1: No, is, is she a government employee?
2: Yes. And how big will her pension be as a percentage of her final salary?
7: I believe we're looking about 60%.
2: Okay. So it's going to be tough with that $280,000 of debt on that house and that house payment. But you could... Can- Pay someone to do a financial plan and they'll work you through all the scenarios to show you whether you could do it at 55, 57, 60,
1: 65. And what it would mean. You retire
2: 55, here's what your financial assets would be, and this is what it would mean as far as retirement income. Yeah. And you might say, well, you know, I have $300,000 in equity in the home and I'm going to move to Bend, Oregon or, you know, Alabaster, Michigan or, you know, Tulu- Tulu- <laughs> where? Tupelo, Mississippi. And then, hot spot. and then another uh, hotspot, and then work through the the what if scenarios, but that's not a question we can answer on the radio. My All guess, right? is, my guess right.
1: is you probably need to be saving more than you are right now. That'd be my guess. So appreciate the call. Yeah, wish you well, Steve. And uh, they, it's interesting those seventy two T. I was uh, th- these were used a lot in the nineties. Companies were retiring people. They were downsizing by uh, offering sweeteners in their pension plan. People were So people were being exited leave, and the markets were doing good. And so a lot of people were saying, why don't I just take some money from my retirement account? I'm 54, but heck, um, got this great retirement offering. So people were setting up 72T distributions. Uh, then the financial crisis, I mean, the dot-com thing hit. It was a bit of a reset on people. Then there's... The, Financial crisis, a bit of a reset on people. Yeah, You don't so, see it much at all anymore. No, but I did reflect. I remember there was we had some clients years ago. They were fifty years old. I was my fifty years old. Uh, they were still working some. They wanted to take that a million some million plus in their retirement accounts. They wanted to take the maximum they could on return uh, from seventy two t. Well, this okay. is in two thousand. Okay. And then, Scott, what's the maximum? There's the, the, the uh, tax laws changed since then. At that time, you made up your own maximum. You number.
2: could set a number. They called it a reasonable.
1: And they want to know what is the highest reasonable rate of return. I don't know. They ended up using picking a number of nine percent. Wow! It didn't stay retired long. And I said, I remember the time saying, uh, "You're going to be spending money in your fifties that you're going to need in your 70s. And of course, we saw the you market. were right. Well, it's just, I mean, <laughs> it goes through cycles. Things go through cycles. And um, the, the danger with this is for people under 59 and a half. Most yeah. people don't have enough assets to retire. Most people under 59 should
2: work. till... They just don't have the, yeah. enough assets yeah. to retire under 59. And a half. Most people. Yeah. And right. it's, it, it sounded unless you're going to move to some, you have tons of equity in your home and you're going to move to a really pay cash for a house. And, and then you're not taking a 72T yeah. distribution. That's then. right. And <laughs> so, I have been to Tupelo, Mississippi and not quite certain I'd want to move there, but it's not a bad place. <laughs> Why are we in Tupelo, Mississippi? It was on a bicycle ride. Through Tupelo.
1: Yeah. That sounds like a good bike ride either. But It anyway. was, no, that time of year, it was absolutely yeah. beautiful. Mississippi's not bad. I liked it's Mississippi. Let's uh, let's talk to Randy. Randy, you're with Allworth's Money Matters.
6: Hi. Uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Um, I'm planning on retiring uh, early next year, um, about this time next year. I'll be 57 and a half. Um, and I have a question. If it's better to because of the whole COVID stuff, I haven't been able to take vacation. And so I have like 360 hours on the books, which basically comes out to about over $31,000 if I cash out. Uh-huh. So I want to know if it's better to kind of milk the vacation before I retire or cash out that whole amount. Okay, Is so... There- or tax advantage uh, well, of either way.
2: Well, let's let's talk a little bit about this. Do you work in a job that de, uh, pays a defined benefit pension plan, like a, a, a pension when you retire?
6: Yeah. So I'm going to get a pension about 47000 a year. Okay. So
2: when is that, uh, and does the pension have automatic increases associated with it? No. It doesn't. So it doesn't reset any June or July. So I was in a meeting oh, a couple of weeks ago with a, with a, another advisor and a client, and we had this massive discussion about whether we should use the vacation for another three months in order to actually trigger the increase in the pension so that they could actually get a larger pension for the rest of their life. That doesn't apply to you. There's no automatic trigger on the pension.
6: Oh, uh, wow. Well, so every month you work, you may get like $100 more.
2: I understand. But there's not like a 3% accelerator on the overall pension no. at any one point no. in time.
6: No. Okay. It doesn't matter then.
1: Well, if he continues on, if it, if he gets a little slightly more pension
2: every month, he's still on a payroll. Why wouldn't he? Well, then because then he's going to lose that pension for that period of time. Uh, so it will matter some. And I doubt that every month is driving your pension up by $100. <laughs> that would be unbelievable.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah right.
2: Um, of course not. So it depends on how they – I guess it could matter if they calculate it, but normally in these things they actually calculate your pension with the vacation and they don't pay any attention on and how this one is paid out. I, one thing you could do is, is funnel
1: a good chunk of this into a 401K.
6: Yeah. You could funnel probably almost all of it. The vacation amount. you think saying if I take yeah,
2: that whole just, lump? Yeah, just yeah. move your withholdings on your 401K way up or right or y- 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 so what happens is it's not going to drive you into a higher tax bracket per se um because of the fact that there's going to be a large withholding on it but your tax liability is determined at the end of the year so what's your ordinary income uh, 170 okay and what will your pension amount be 47000 yeah so that so you're at 100 and uh so let's do the math right when are you, when next year are you retire, retiring I said right around now so, so
6: i thought i'd be working only half a year
2: right so you you're gonna you're gonna be in a actually a, you're not gonna move your tax brackets between year to year because your overall income for the year will be the yeah. same so they might be a larger withholding on that pension on the vacation time as is pulled, pulled are you out?
1: maximizing your 401k now yeah. Okay. It's already maximized. Already, just make sure you maximize it next year. Yeah, and next so what happens
6: is, is
2: depending upon how they withhold from yours, they're gonna withhold a bunch of money, but the real true tax obligation is actually determined at the end of the year when you file your tax return. So the withholding will be large. You hear this at work. Well, my they withheld forty five percent of my Doesn't pay to work overtime. Yeah, because they hold this and it doesn't really have anything to do with that particular Tax, your tax obligation is determined at the end of the year when you file your tax return, and then you either get a refund or you owe more. Um, So you're not moving yourself up into another bracket by doing it, taking it as a lump sum. So I would just take it as a lump sum, unless it somehow affected my pension in a dramatic fashion. All
6: right. All righty? Okay, that's good. Because, yeah, because people tell me otherwise. Like, oh, well, if you take that lump sum, you're going to get taxed more. Like, uh, you won't get taxed. Mar- they're wrong.
1: They're wrong. There couldn't be more wrong. Look, look it, <laughs> what happens if when you get a large check, whether it's a bonus, unused vacation, what, It, it, it they, your employer, the, the payroll system will go and look and say, oh, Randy's paid twice a month. He's got $30,000 in this paycheck. Wow, that's like he earns $60,000 a month. That's yeah. 700000 a year. At 700000 a year, we're going to need to withhold
2: at this percentage. That's how it works. Right. But then when you file your tax at the end of the year, you didn't make 700000 You just made $700,000 it looked like for that time period. And if you don't period. want to give the government money, do the calculation beforehand and change your withholdings. You can change your withholdings to whatever number you want. Your employers are required to uh, inform the employee uh, the government, I think when the withholdings go over 10, but I've had as many as 25 withholdings on my paycheck before. In the early days, if I had a big lump sum of money coming in and I really needed it, I would change my withholdings to 25. So they would withhold no taxes. And then payroll people would say, you can't do that. And I said, oh, absolutely I can. You just have to report it to the government. And they're like, well, you don't want that? And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm, <not, laughs> I'm taxes. I'm not cheating <laughs> on my taxes. I'm just playing the game. And that's why people talk about this withholding, but it doesn't matter to you.
6: Okay, great. All right. right. Okay, thanks. (laughs)
1: Thanks, Who could ever get so passionate about a tax withholding? Well, we're seeing companies move away from the carryover of vacation. And as an example, Allworth, our company, we have unlimited vacation for all employees? Unlimited.
2: One or the other. No, no, so it's, exempt. It? it's exempt. Huh? It's exempt. It's oh, exempt. We don't it's know exempt. anyway. It's ah, exempt. It's it's exempt. Which one is it, Pietro? Salaried employees. It's have, exempt. It's exempt employees. All right. So for a large portion of the employees, but we don't care. I hear. I,
1: I mean, I think it. It's uh, <laughs> companies do that because it's a they don't have to carry the liability of uh, use vacation, which makes sense anyway. Well, that's how we're finishing the program. <laughs> so hopefully you've enjoyed it. Hopefully you've learned something. It's been good being with you. We'll see you next week. This has been Scott Hansen and Pat McClain
0: of Allworth Financial's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.